You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Well, hey, if this is your first time at Bright City, uh, I'm number one, so glad that you're here, uh, but also two, uh, my name is Nick. I'm the pastor of Bright City Church. Uh, my wife and I and our family, we started the church about nine years ago um, and just has been an incredible journey that has led us to this moment. Uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series and a journey together that is more about me and less about you. Have you ever heard that, like the, the bad breakup, like it's not you, it's me? Like, so just me saying this, it's not you, it's me, but maybe you can find some help along the way as I process all of my life problems with you. Is that good? We're good? Good for processing out loud here? Um, A few uh, months ago, I actually had uh, coffee with some dear friends after a conference, and uh, I had been waiting on God to just kind of show up in my life and just give me some encouragement. I just felt like he wanted to say something to me, but I didn't know what, I didn't know when, uh, I didn't know how. And so we go to this conference and I wait for uh, a few days and I'm like, all right, Lord, here I am. Like I'm surrendered here. Like I'll even turn my phone off, like whatever you need. Went through all of the sessions and, and just nothing. I was like, all right, Lord, that's okay. I'll, I'll wait it out. That's all right. So then we go to the coffee with the friends and I'm like, okay, now this is the like end of the game. We're in overtime. Like you got to do this, God. And so we sit down uh, with this couple and they're just such sweet, dear friends. And the wife is like so sweet, so dear, so kind. And she had uh, just been talking to Jess and I looked up and I could kind of see that they were actually talking about me. Like you ever get that moment where you're at a table and you're like, I think they're talking about me. And so I'm trying to carry on a conversation, but at the same time, I'm trying to listen over here, which is impossible. So I don't know what I said over here because I was trying to listen over here. And I, I, all of a sudden, they kind of saw that I was listening on them, their conversation. And uh, Jess looked at me. And she was like, hey, so Kim has some words for you and encouragement for you. And, you know, I'm like, all right, Lord, here it is. Give it to me. Like, lay it on me. And she looked dead at me and she was like, stop playing small. I was like, well, all right then, God. That, that was not what I thought you wanted to tell me. Like, well done, son. Like, keep going. You're doing great. Like, you're perfect. Anyone want that one from God? Like, you're just fine as you are. Like, you're just great. Like, if God had a southern voice, it would be better. Like, that's how I kind of envisioned that moment. But stop playing small was not the words that I thought God had for me. But the more I thought about it, the more that I prayed about it is, is, is that it was just true that I was made for more. And, and being made for more has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus purchasing my life on the cross. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, this idea that you're made for more is not because your mom tells you so or your dad tells you so, although that is great and wonderful. It's because Jesus hung on a cross to show you that you were made for more and he put his life on the line so that you could, you and I can walk into more. And so maybe if you're kind of new to faith in general, you're like, man, this whole Jesus thing and him dying on the cross is kind of new to me. But we believe as believers that Jesus died and hung on a cross in our place so that he could purchase 
a life for us that would lead to abundance and goodness and grace and mercy and forgiveness, which is really contrary to the world that we're living in right now. And so he's called us to a better way. He's called us to a better kingdom. But kind of what I want to talk to uh, us about today is sometimes in my life, I find that even though I'm made for more, I settle for less. Has anyone ever experienced that? Like, you know that you're made for more, but sometimes you settle for less. And sometimes I do it out of apathy. Sometimes I do it out of fear. Uh, Sometimes I do it out of frustration. Uh, Sometimes I do it in, in all sorts of ways, maybe to please other people. But the reality is, is that when Jesus purchased my life, I've been made for more. I've been purchased for more. But the reality is, is that I settle for less. Um, how many of you like stew? I know this is technically not stew season. Any stew people be stew? I don't discriminate against stew. Like, I love a good stew. Uh, have you ever heard of the phrase settling for stew? Let me try this one. Have you ever heard of the phrase trading, trading your birthright for a bowl of stew? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, you're like, I heard that one in Sunday school class. It got me hungry. Couldn't pay attention the rest of the time. And now, Nick, you've got me hungry this morning. Uh, that phrase comes from the scriptures. It comes from Genesis 25, and it actually comes from a struggle of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And when every time I read about Jacob and Esau, I just, I like laugh about the Bible talking about them. So Jacob and Esau were two brothers. They were twins. Esau, the Bible tells us that Esau was born first. And you know, like when you're like, oh, babies are so cute. Like when Esau popped out, the description they they gave us is that he was red and he was hairy like a garment. It's like, okay, well, that's a wonderful birth announcement. That's great. So how, how was it? You know, it was sweet. It was great. Labor was awesome. You were red and hairy like a garment. Like, I didn't understand. And then Jacob comes out after Esau, and the Bible tells us that Jacob was literally holding on to the foot of Esau. If that's not brotherly competition, I don't know what is. So, like, from the beginning, you could just tell that these brothers would have a story. And so as we continue on, we learn that Esau loved to hunt. Like he was the outdoorsy of all outdoorsy men. Like he would kill the thing. But then it just so happened that Jacob would be the one that cooked the thing. Jacob was an indoorsy kind of guy. Like Jacob didn't glamp. Like he didn't camp or glamp. He was the hotel guy, which I resonate. I'm like, yeah, I love a good hotel. Like, you know, you got to you got to know your limits in life. And so Jacob knew his limits. Esau uh, was one that found favor with his father. And Jacob actually found favor with his mom. We won't call him a mama's boy, but we'll just say that they had a great bonding relationship together. And so as they got older, we learned something that really changed their story for the course of their life. And it's actually Genesis 25 verses 29 through 35 says, one day Jacob was cooking some stew, because, you know, he's inside. Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. We'll go ahead and call that hangry. Esau said to Jacob, I am starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. 
I mean, that escalated quickly, right? They went from like food to like, give me your inheritance. Like I have four kids and sometimes that's how it is. It's like, hey, can I have that stick of gum? What are you gonna give me? I'll give you 10 years of hard labor. It's like, do you, I've got a dollar. Do you just wanna give them the dollar and then they give you the gum? You're still getting a bad deal, but at least you get 10 years of your life and you don't ruin your life. He says, look, I'm dying of starvation, he said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. Again, he is holding firm. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some, this is the kicker to me. This is like sometimes you don't understand God's ways lentil stew. When I read that, there was no beef in that stew. Like he traded it for lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. And so what seems like a childish encounter that means nothing actually becomes the fruition of Esau's future. Instead of stepping into the more, which was his birthright, he settled for less. And so this is where the preachers over the years get the phrase, trading your birthright for a bowl of stew. So this might seem foreign for us. Like maybe we have traded something for a meal. Maybe we got really hungry one day and we we're like, I need that Snickers. Give me that Snickers. I'll wash your car for that Snickers. But for a lot of us, we can't really relate to this moment. But what actually is happening is that Esau traded his spiritual fruition, the things that were going to happen in his life for the food of the moment. And so it's that, that thing, if you ever heard this story with kids, is there's kids and you say, hey, you can have this marshmallow, but if I come back in an hour, you get two marshmallows. And then there's all these studies on what kids wait and you know, how they do in life. But it's that thing where he couldn't wait and he couldn't be patient. And so he compromised in the moment. He traded his future for the food of the moment. And so for me, I can see that there have been times in my, lives, in my life where I have not done what I'm supposed to do and wait on what God has for me. And rather than waiting, I compromise in the moment. Rather than stepping into the more that God has for me, I settle for less. And so I've noticed that this kind of manifests itself two ways in my life. The first way is distraction. Any time that I feel like I have settled for less in my own life, it has caused me to be distracted towards God. It just seems like I can't focus on God. I can't focus on God in my affections. I can't focus on God in my calling. I can't focus on my relationship because I'm distracted because I've settled for less. There's something that I have taken up that is distracting me from the more that God has called me to. Another thing that happens in my life when I find that I'm settling for less is I lose my distinguishing factor as a believer. And here's what I mean by that, is that the luster wears off and I start to blend into the world rather than shine and stand out in the world. And so when I have settled for less in my life, not only am I distracted, I have seemed to lose my distinction. 
And so has this ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself in a place and you're like, I don't know how I feel about those two things. Maybe that's not how it works for me. But I find sometimes in our lives when we are frustrated about our current season, it's probably because we've settled for less along the way somewhere. Maybe if there's a discontentment in our life currently, it's because we've settled for less and we know that we're meant for more. Here's the hard thing about being meant for more. It is, it is almost an internal compass of longing and desire that you can't shake no matter how much you try to numb. And so what happens with this desire is God has put this desire in us. The Bible tells us that we are made in his image. And because we are made in his image, we are made to crave him and who he is. And so the moment that we get distracted or the moment that we settle for less, it causes a chaos in our life. It causes us to live in life and have a lack of peace. Have you ever wondered why you're so worried or so anxious about things? Anytime I'm worried or anxious, it's because I've settled for something less and I've got my hands on this thing that is the lesser thing and I'm going to strangle it until it dies. That's just how it works in my life. And so maybe there's times where we feel numb to God in his presence. You ever just felt like those moments where you're just like, man, I, I just feel numb to everything around me. And sometimes when I've really settled for less, and I'm walking in that, sometimes I just get overcome with shame and guilt. I'm like, man, I knew that I was made for more and I still chose the lesser thing. Um, I love Joshua in the scriptures. Like, I just love the story of Joshua. He's just one of those biblical leaders who I look up to. And one of the things that is interesting about Joshua's story is Joshua was on the wrong team at the wrong time. So what happened was, is God rescued his people out of Egypt and he called his people to step into this land that was going to represent prosperity, blessing, and abundance. And so what happens is they go send out some spies and they're like, hey, how does the land look? Tell me about the real estate. Is it beachfront? What's the food like? You know, how's the grass? Like, I got to have that manicure yard. And they're like, there is no grass. Like, it's just, it's dirt, but it's good, but it makes the best wine. You know, these are the things that they're bringing back. And in that moment, rather than stepping into the more that God had for them, they were overcome with fear and they settled for less. And because of this, they wandered around for 40 years, wandering in the desert because they didn't become the people that God wanted them to become. They didn't step into the plans that he had for them in that moment. And so Joshua was one that actually thought that they could step into more. He was one that actually was ready to step into the land and take the promises that God had put on their life as a people group. And so he was guilty by association. And so as you read through scripture, you see that Joshua gets one more chance. And there's no way that Joshua is going to let this chance pass him by. He's like, this is our time. This is the day. And so anytime I have respect for a leader, it's usually because somewhere along the way they gave like a good speech or said something very profound. And so this is what Joshua says in Joshua 3 verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, that word consecrate is weird. Like, you don't just go around and say, hey, how's it going? You consecrating? I'm consecrating. We're good. Let's just keep consecrating. 
but biblically it means that we are setting aside ourselves for the use of God. So what happens is is we decide that we are going to be set apart for how God wants to use us in this life. Are you tracking? And so what happens is, is we don't just step into less because we're like, hey, I think I would really like less in my life. Like less is good when it comes to pace and all the things that you're doing, but being made for more and settling for less is not good. But what happens is, is I find that we drift into less if we do not consecrate our lives unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. Let me say it this way. We will settle for less if we do not set aside our life for how God wants to use us in this world. Like we just don't fall into this thing. Like if it's up to us, we will settle in the way of the world. And before we know it, we'll find ourselves drifting in the way of the world. It's almost like when my kids go to the beach when they were younger, like I'm like, hey, you've got to keep your eye on me because we're on, if you're from here, you know, we're on Sullivan's. But if you're not looking, you will end up on like folly. Like you're going to end up on like three towns over if you don't pay attention to what's happening. And so what happens in our lives is sometimes we stop paying attention to God and therefore we drift. And because we drift, we haven't set aside ourselves. And because we haven't set aside ourselves for the work of the Lord, we have found ourselves drifted into settling for less. And so how do we set ourselves apart when it comes to walking with God? How do we step into the more that God has given us and extended to us and even more purchased to us from his son Jesus like this is Jesus's life that he has given for us and so how do we step into the more that he has predestined for us so one of the first things that we need to do is we need to get with God we need to get in his presence oftentimes when I settle it's because I buy the lie that I am separated from God and I'm going to continue to be separated from God. And God doesn't want anything to do with me because I've settled for less. Have you ever felt this? Anytime I've found in my own life that I compromise rather than choosing the more and settling for less, I feel that separation between myself and God. But here's what happens is the enemy capitalizes on that separation and he tells us that we should stay separated. Like, how dare you go back into the presence of God? Like, how dare you open up your Bible again? Do you know what you did last night? Do you know what you did last week? How dare you try to go to church? Why would you ever try to go to church knowing good and well what you did? And so the enemy's goal in our life is to keep us in a place where we feel like we have to be separated from God because we are separated from God because of something we did unto God. But if you know the story of the cross, if you know the redemption found in Jesus, if you know what Paul writes in Romans 8, he says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? And then he starts to list all these things that are like, well, that would never happen, that would never happen, that would never happen, that would never happen. So if none of those things are ever going to separate us from God, why do we separate ourselves from God? Like I find that Jesus purchased intimacy, but for whatever reason, we have chosen scarcity when it comes to God. If you remember the garden, you remember Adam and Eve, like what happened? compromise happened and somehow compromise has a compounding effect if we don't return to God, right? 
Like immediately they hid and they were trying to keep themselves from God. I love how this psalm encourages us in this matter. It's Psalm 103. This is the Lord. He says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. So when we settle, he doesn't treat us like we've settled. This is where it gets good. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So what he's saying there is that when we settle in life, Jesus settles the score, right? Like when we settle in life, Jesus is like, hey, I just need you to know what happened 2,000 years ago. Like we just celebrated it, right? It was Easter. Like sometimes we already forget about what happened on the cross of Christ and the hill of Calvary. But he's like, hey, I just need you to know that I, I've made it right. Like you don't have to dwell in your wrong because I've made it right. You don't have to think about the time that you settle for less because I'm telling you on the cross, I reminded you that you're made for more. And so sometimes when we settle for less, we find ourselves separated from God. But I just need you to know this morning that if you feel like you're separated from God, that is in your own mind and that is in your own heart because that is not the truth of the gospel. And so we get to rewrite how we think. We get to rewrite the patterns of our minds that will inform our heart. And then we get to be like, you know what? Like, you know, the psalmist said, like, I don't know what this east-west thing is, but I know if you go one way and you keep going, like, then flat earthers could be wrong because he has removed the transgressions from us. It just keeps going. And so we may lose sight the fact that we're made for more. We may settle, we may step away from God, but here's the beautiful thing about that is that God never steps away from you. Like, he never steps away from you. What do we see in the Gospels? Like God came to earth and walked among us. Like he, he is all about walking among the muck of his people so that he can make it right for his people. So have you ever found this place in your life where you've settled for less, but you feel like you're separated from God? I just need you to know this morning that that's a lie from the enemy. Like when you believe in the cross of Christ, then that fixes your life with God in Christ Jesus. The Bible actually says that God becomes with us and indwells in us. So when we say, like when you get the Christmas card that says like Emmanuel, like, oh, that's so sweet. He's a prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Like that is a theological declaration that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And there's nothing you can do to undo the work of, cro of the cross that he has put in place over your life. And so rather than settling for less and feeling separated from God, we need to get in his presence. Another thing that we can do is we can get under his word. We can get under his word. A lot of times in my life, because I'm a bonehead, when I settle for less, it's because I think that I'm smarter than God. Has anyone felt that way? Like you've got, you've got this, this thing, this Bible, 
and it, it actually probably lives more in here than it does in here. And you're like, okay, yeah, check. I got my Bible reading plan. And then, you know, you do your thing and you wake up earlier and you're like, okay, yeah, I read it or you read it at lunch or whatever. And then you're like, okay, time to live my life. And so then you just start making decisions. You're like, wait, did, did I, I read something this morning, but that's okay. I, I got this. Like Carrie Underwood was wrong. Like Jesus don't take the wheel. Nick, you take the wheel. And so sometimes I find that there is a disconnect between what I read and hear and how I live my life out there. And sometimes I think that rather than scriptures being the lifeblood and the sole source of authority in our lives, they become just like a supplemental vitamin that we take from time to time. And so rather than getting under God's word and doing what God's word says, We've decided that this is going to be a supplemental thing in our life and that we are the sole source of truth in our life. And here's, here's the hard part about that. Uh, going back to Joshua, God just showed me something in the book of Joshua the other day. I was like, oh man, I've never seen that. Is Here's the hard part about that. Is because at least for me, I find that if I'm not living under the authority of God's word, I still want the anointing of God in my life, right? Like, I still want the blessing. I still want the goodness. I still want him to do the things in my life. And it's like, God, would you do this? And will you, you know, make them like me? And, you know, can I go on this date? And can I do this and travel to this place? And, you know, I have all these expectations on God. And so I become enamored by this anointing thing. And so when I think back to Joshua, like Joshua had incredible blessing, right? Like Joshua had all this like real estate blessing. God was like, hey, you walk around wherever your foot goes, that's your land. Like if that was your blessing, how many of you guys would be pacing down south abroad? Like I want that mansion and I want that mansion. And you're like putting your foot on everybody's house. And I'm like, what are you doing? Don't worry about it. Joshua blessing. You know, like, so he had this real estate blessing. He had this sense of courage and destiny. Like he walks with God and God goes before him. And he had so much victory in his life. Like every time so he came up uh, against someone that didn't like him, like God gave him victory over that, those people. Like how amazing would that be? Like on Facebook, like you stand no chance. Like God is with me. And then he had this like victory and anointing in the physical like, do you remember the time in Joshua 10 where the sun stood still? Like, I'm telling you, true story, I have been on vacation. And I'm like, Lord, can you just let the sun stand still? I just don't want to go back to work when I end back home. If we could just make this vacation last for, like, can you just take the three-day and turn it into the 10-day? Like, God, if you could do that, that would be incredible. And I pray that it's a three-day. It doesn't work. It doesn't take. But when Joshua prayed that, the sun actually stood still. But what I find is I want this type of fruit in my life without the faithfulness that Joshua had in his life. I'm going to read this. You've probably read this a million times. The scriptures wasn't something that Joshua added to his life. They were the authority over his life. So Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says, Be strong and very courageous check. Let's do that. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Don't turn from it to the left or the, or for the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Here's where it is. He says, keep 
the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Joshua had a different anointing in his life because he had a different devotion in his life. And I think sometimes we want the ways of God without getting under the word of God. And are we going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But it wasn't something that he added to his life. It was the authority over his life. And I think sometimes when I settle for less, it's because I think I'm smarter than God. God's like, hey, don't do that. This is how it ends. This is what's going to happen. Don't do that door. You're not going to like that door. Don't go through that door. And I'm like, wonder what's on the other side of that door. I mean, you got to knock, right? Ask, seek, knock. Let's just go up there and give a few little knocks. And then the door doesn't open. I'm like, what if you ring the bell? Maybe it's, a, it's like, you know, they can't hear the knock. It's got to be the doorbell. And then you're, nobody comes to the door. And it's like, well, what? what if I jiggle the handle? And it's locked. And then it's like, well, what if I knock it down? And I do this with God. And I think sometimes we have decided that we are going to be the authority over our lives rather than God being the authority over our lives, but rather than accepting the consequences that come with that, we've decided that we expect the same anointing and the same blessing as if we were reading the Word of God. Like, did you catch that? Like, Joshua's all up in that thing day and night. I'm like, okay, I got, I got one of those. I don't know if I got both of them. But Joshua was like, hey, this, this thing is not a supplemental thing. It is the sole source of life in my life. Like, I don't go left and I don't go right because God has given me straight. And I think sometimes we buy the lie that we don't have to be under the authority of God's word. And here's the hard part is, I mean, there's some things in here. I'm like, I don't understand that. Last night, one of our kids came down. They were like, hey, Dad. Genesis 6, sons of God getting with God's people on earth. What do you think about that? And I was like, I don't know what I think about that. We're going to have to get to heaven. We're going to find out together because I, I don't know what that's about right there. And, you know, you could read in the commentary and the thing and the, yeah, I got nothing. Isn't it your bedtime? Why are you still down here? Aren't you supposed to be asleep right now? I, I, I don't work until tomorrow. Why am I on the clock right now? I can't be doing this theological conversation. I didn't know what it meant. But here's what I know is I know that his ways are higher. I know that he is more smarter than I am. I know that he has a way that is better than my way. There is a way that seems right in my heart. But in the end, God establishes the steps. If God is going to establish the steps, why do we think that we have the authority in our lives to say that we're smarter than God in everything that we do? So if you are going to want the more in your life, you are going to have to submit yourself to the word of God in your life. So the question is, what, your, what is your commitment to God's word? I don't think it's a frequency thing. So if you're like, oh man, Joshua did that whole day and night thing. Now I got something else to add to my list. I don't think it's a frequency thing. I truly believe it's a submission thing. Like he, he, they were saying, like Joshua, he just would have it on his lips. Like it, it wasn't like a, a, a ritual. It was a way of life for him. And so if we are going to stop settling for less and realize that we're made for more, we have to get in the word that reminds us that we're made for more. 
because this world is going to remind you every day that you are made for less and you should settle for less and you should never follow God and God's ways always disappoint and this world is trash and then God doesn't have a plan. And when you read God's word, he's like, hey, I have a plan. I haven't forgotten my people. I'm coming back to get them. And in the meantime, I'm preparing a place. I'm gonna bring restoration to this earth. This is not how it's always gonna be. One day you will be with me and one day I'll be with you. And here's the crazy thing, is you're not gonna have to cry anymore. You're not gonna feel pain anymore. You're not gonna feel suffering anymore. And so as believers, we've gotta hold on to that more than we hold on to what's on the TV. Because if we don't, we're always going to settle for less. You are made for more, so you've got to get in the word that reminds you that you are made for more. And lastly, get with his people. I find that anytime I settle in life to be a solo Christian, then I'm going to settle somewhere in life. Anytime that I find myself settling in life, it's because I'm trying to live like a solo Christian. Therefore, I'm settling in my life. And when that happens, it's not because there's something wrong with me, there's something less with me. This is just the exact thing that the enemy looks for, right? Like the scriptures tell us that the enemy prowls around like a lion. Have you ever watched those like geographic, like National Geographic channels where it sees the lion and the lion gets the the animal that's alone? Like the lion is waiting for the animal to get alone. The enemy is waiting for you to live your life alone. This is what uh, Peter says. This is 1 Peter 5 eight. He says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is waiting for us to be alone. And this is why God has created his people. He's created his church. He's like, hey, you cannot live life alone. If you live life alone, you are going to, by default, settle for less somewhere along the way. Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity is not a thing where you become this ninja and you pop into church and then you hear the sermon and then you lay down that thing that where the dust comes out. Like, you know how ninjas do that? Like they throw that thing down and then the cloud comes out and then they disappear. Like some of y'all are like that on Sunday. Like I'm like, man, that's cool. Like I don't know how they do that. I, I worry about them and, and I hope that they do okay tomorrow. But man, that was a cool trick. Like how do you do that? And sometimes I find that the more alone we are, the harder it is to walk in the abundance that God has given to us. And I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's some sort of mistake or confusion that people feel more alone, more depressed, and more anxious now than ever. And I think it's because people are trying to live with people through a device. And I'm telling you, it divides. It divides. It's not the same thing. Like, as a church, we have, up until this point, purposely left uh, the online option off of the platter that we offer. It's not because we don't want to. Maybe we will one day. But there's just something about being in the room with God's people singing God's songs, listening to God's word, and being reminded that you're God's kid and that he's got good things for you in this life that is going to help you tomorrow when Monday kicks you in the face. Right? Like, do you find that same fellowship at work? Maybe you do. But there's a reason why you're like, oh, Monday, and then you're right here and you're like, yes, Jesus. Like, it's because there's something different 
about this moment. And I think sometimes we go through life thinking that we are going to be able to make it as the first solo Christian, right? Like, I am going to be the first one. I promise you, if you think this way, you are going to be the last one to the finish line. It's just how it's going to be. Uh, recently, I, I don't really know what to do with this, so I'm just going to verbally share. Is I've been seeing all these like masterminds everywhere. Have you seen this? It's like the masterminds that are happening, and you pay like a lot of money to be a part of this person's group. And they are like, if you're in a mastermind, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm wrestling with this concept is you're in this group and sometimes like, it's just like these people that are super buff and they like scream at you that like, you know, you're going to crush it or I'm going to crush you or I don't know. Like I just, there's a lot happening in these moments and these things. And, and I just, what's, what's, what I'm toying with and what I'm praying through and what I'm processing is that people pay a lot of money. these things and I look at the church and I'm like man this is the mastermind from the master himself but here's the problem is I think sometimes people can't find this in the church because the church is essentially settled for less and I think what's happened is that rather being hungry for God and hungry for the kingdom to come and whatever we do, we've decided that we're going to be passive and show apathy. Rather than being urgent about the things that God has put us on this earth to do, we've decided that we're just going to be like lazadaisical and just sit in the corner and like kind of coast through life. Right? Like here's a question. If you knew what you were supposed to do in life, And if you knew that you had the most superhuman, supernatural power in the world to do it, and that you knew that if you did it, you were going to be rewarded for eternity, and if you knew that God was going to do something incredible in your life, then wouldn't you do it, right? Then why don't we do it? And so what's happening is people are like, man, there's no urgency here. There's like, we're just, we're sitting in groups and we're talking about news and we're talking about problems and we're talking about how we don't like this person and we can't stand that person. And then like, we'll eventually talk about the Bible or a book that we're reading. And then we'll all say, you know, how how can we pray for each other? And you're like, well, actually you could pray for my my friend because he's a jerk to me. But I don't, I don't want to gossip, so I just don't want to tell you, pray for them. Because so, you know how it works in the South? Like, if you say pray for them, then it's not gossip, right? Y'all know how that works? Okay, I was just making sure. And so we become this, like, apathetic gathering rather than the people who were created to bring renewal into this world. And so what happens is you actually got people who want to bring renewal in this world, and they can't find it in the church, so they pay a lot of money to be a part of these mastermind groups, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, I, I, th- I think this is the ultimate mastermind. But the problem is, is that we settle for less rather than stepping into the more that God has for us. And so if you are going to do the more that God has for you in this life, you cannot be a solo Christian. Like, you just can't do it. But here's the other flip side of that. 
you can't be crushing it with the people who are going after the wrong kingdom. Because here's what happens is you become more like them and less like Jesus. And he saved you from that kingdom. He plucked you out of that kingdom. He put you back in, but not to lose your distinction, right? To shine that light. And so in this moment, like we just get to ask ourselves, like, have we traded our birthright for a bowl of stew? Like, have we? Like, what has God put you on this planet to do? Like, he's going to use something in this world and it fits right with the kingdom. But like, why? Who? Right? Because we don't, we don't deal with the other stuff. As believers, we deal with the who, right? Like, what has God put you on this earth to do? And then the second question of that is, are you stepping into the more or are you settling for less? And I'm not here to point any fingers because the, uh, you know how they say you got like, you know, when you point a finger, you got what, like six pointing back at you. Like, I feel that. Like I hit 40 and I was like, why am I playing small? Number one, I'm getting bigger. Like, so I should just start like acting like I'm a little bigger, you know? But like, why spiritually, why am I playing small? Why am I settling for less? Why am I not living into the more that God has created me to live into? So how do I fix that? Well, I got to get in his presence. I can't live like I'm separated from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Like if he wants to be with me, then I should want to be with him. Right? And I got to get under this word. Like, man, there's some good stuff in here. I started reading Proverbs the other day again. I'm like, man, that could have saved me like a year of foolishness. God, where were you on that? He's like, I've been here the whole time. Wake up. And so, so we get under the word, and then, and then we just get with his people. Like, we can't do the solo thing anymore. If you're made for more, you're not going to do it alone, right? Like, you're not. So I, I, don't, I don't know how you settle for less. I don't know what your bowl of stew is. But here is the most beautiful thing about the gospel, is that the gospel is the message that says that you don't have to wait till Monday. You don't have to wait till January 1. Anyone like, oh, this is a great message. I can't wait to do it in January 1. Like when I start my goals and the things. Like the gospel says that you are forgiven and graced to start over right now. So if you've settled for less, the starting line is right now. If you've settled for less, this is the place where you launch into more. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray that you would say the things that I didn't say and that you would uh, just prod us in the ways that I couldn't. Father, I just pray that you would speak to your kids. Um, I pray that um, we would just be kids that want to listen to our father, that want to listen to our dad, that want to do the things. God, I just pray that there would just be an overwhelming sense in this place that everyone is made for more. Like, how incredible is that? That every day there's something to tap into. Every day there's something to be discovered. Every day there's a future to be created. Every day there's a person to love. Every day there's an obstacle to overcome. Every day there is a thing that you've put us on this earth to do. And so, Father, I just pray that we wouldn't walk in fear anymore. I pray that we wouldn't walk in apathy anymore. I pray that we wouldn't walk distracted anymore. God, I just pray that we would hone into whatever you want to say to us uh, today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.